Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott. Today, we are turning back to a particular series of episodes on the IWM podcast that I like to call Talks with Adventist Mission Leaders. My colleague at the Institute, its Associate Director, Ronald Kuhn, puts in a lot of effort to design the series for all of us. In today's interview, Ron talks with Pastor Ted Wilson, who is the president of the General Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And what an interview it turned out to be. In just a moment, you will get to hear personal missionary experiences from Pastor Wilson's heart, as well as his take on current challenges in Adventist missions. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. And we are privileged to have our general conference leader, Pastor Ted Wilson, with us. And we are honored and we thank you, Pastor Wilson, for being with us, um, taking the time to talk to our families around the world, our missionaries, our volunteers, and others as well. You grew up as a missionary children as a missionary kid, as we say, third culture kids. Some, some of us refer to those who grew up in the mission field as a TCK. And later, you also serve as a missionary. Can you share with us what it was like to be a missionary kid? And was there a particular experience that influenced your decision to later become a missionary? Well, thank you, Ron, for this uh, great opportunity of communicating with those who have such a vital interest in mission. And uh, actually, that should be all of us. But there are those who dedicate their lives to being part of active mission outreach and go as professional missionaries to many places in the world. And I just praise God for their dedication and commitment. And the Lord sees all that people are doing, and He assists in highly unusual ways. And only in heaven are we going to find out the true results of how God opened the ways for various individuals in very unusual circumstances to make a huge difference in the lives of many people. So I praise God for the mission program that the church has not only our ISE program, but the volunteer program, our young people who are so involved in one year in mission and many other activities. It's, it's just a wonderful thing. I am so excited to have been and am a third culture kid. Uh, to me, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It has formed my entire focus on life Uh, Growing up in the home that I did, uh, wonderful parents. My mother had never been a missionary, uh, never lived outside the United States, but my father uh, grew up outside of the United States for most of his uh, growing up years. And the entire heritage from our Wilson family helped to form my perspective on the world and how it impacts my life and the the life of the church. Uh, Growing up in Cairo, Egypt, uh, I feel very much a part of the Middle East even to this day. Uh, The food, the culture, the smells, the 
the ambiance, uh, it's, it's just part and parcel of me. Uh, so, you know, I kind of even consider myself to be basically an Egyptian in a way. And this aspect of growing up in a different part of the world, having uh, your parents uh, have a particular nationality, and then your experience makes your own personal experience, it makes into this third culture environment. Um, it, 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 it changes your, your view on how to relate to people, uh, how to understand cultures. And I don't in any way pretend to be an expert on that, but it certainly helps you to be more sensitive, to respect people, to understand that there are different ways of approaching things. And this all feeds into your, your own world perspective. How do you view the international scene? How do you understand uh, how life works in a very cosmopolitan setting? And it also gives you an enormous burden for mission, for Christian mission, for the Lord's commission to each of us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. I can't really pinpoint, Dr. Kuhn, exactly when I felt that I should be a missionary because I have to tell you, I just expected I'd always be a missionary. (laughs) It was just one of those things. I mean, it was inevitable. And, And coming from the family that I did, where my grandparents served, my my grandfather served as basically division president in four world divisions, and they served much of their life outside of the United States, much of that being in Africa, in India, in Australia, in Indonesia, and my own parents having spent almost 15 years in Egypt. It was just like, well, what else would you do? You, you would be a missionary. So, you know, I, I think about the, uh, the beautiful motto that the a Thousand Missionary Movement has for the young people, uh, once a missionary, always a missionary. So I suppose, um, Dr. Kuhn, I'm just, I'm just thrilled and happy that the Lord allowed me the great privilege of growing up in the family that I did, and then having the privilege of introducing my wife to uh, living in another part of the world, in in fact, two places. We lived in West Africa, we lived in Russia, and I have to tell you, that is a whole miracle story in itself, because I'll give you a little interesting illustration. Uh, After we got married, I was pastoring in New York uh, on Long Island, south shore of Long Island in Patchogue. That's the name of the town. And a a very good friend, a family friend of ours, some of you may remember him. His name was Don Roth. Don Roth. He was an associate secretary of the General Conference. But we had known him prior to that when I was growing up in the Columbia Union as a young boy. And so, in any case, he made contact with us, and he said, now, now, when are you going to go as a missionary? So, he sent us the mission information blanks that we could fill out, and I gave one to my wife, Nancy, my dear wife, and 
this was not long after we got married uh, and she just broke down and cried she said you don't understand i cannot leave my family and so somehow those mission blanks her mission blank disappeared and she never filled it out and she didn't know really who don roth was but she didn't like him <laughs> but she, she learned to appreciate him later uh it was probably another five years or so that went by and uh, somehow pastor maurice battle who was also an associate secretary he made contact and he wanted to know we were interested in mission service, I think something like that. And so then he sent mission blanks to fill out and praise God by that time, Nancy was ready to fill it out. And the Lord blessed us. We had almost nine years in West Africa. It was a very important uh, time of our lives. And then later, of course, we served in Russia. I tell you all of that, I suppose, just to tell you that mission activity, whether it is outside of the country you're living in, or whether it is part and parcel of where you are, it's simply part of my life, and it always will be. Yes, wonderful. You are the way you're speaking. You're resonating with so many of us and the people in the front lines. And actually, many many are struggling. They look sometimes to leaders, or we look up to our leaders to think, well, they did not struggle that much as some of us are doing. Well, that's not true. The very trials our spouses, our family, our, our, our children are, grow, are going. Many of you and some of us have gone through before. And talking about families, um, you have raised three daughters in the mission field. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, precious three daughters, Emily, Elizabeth, and Catherine. Uh, when we went to Africa, uh, Emily and Elizabeth had been born, and uh, Emily was about three years old. Uh, Elizabeth was not quite one year old. And then uh, later, Catherine came along, and uh, so three of our daughters grew up in Africa. To them, it was home. They, they enjoyed it so much. Uh, they learned just as I did, how the world works, how differences uh, can help to make you a much more rounded person to understand how to deal with people, uh, international aspects, passports and air travel and all of that was very common for them. And uh, it somehow the connections with mission service embedded themselves in my daughters, all three of them in their lives, so that they, they absolutely loved uh, this relationship. In fact, when we came back from Africa, it was the hardest on our oldest daughter, Emily. She, she was about 12 years old by that time, and Africa was her home. She just, just did not want to, uh, to move from Africa. And uh, as a result, we invited her to come and help us find a home in the Washington area. I'd been called to be an associate secretary at the general conference. And uh, so we invited her to come and she helped us to look around at properties. And we finally found a beautiful spot, which uh, we're still living in. And um, 
It was in a kind of a country setting, and it was a place where the girls, our daughters, could identify with. And, you know, you need to take care of your children. I want to urge all of those who are listening, make sure that you listen to your children. Make sure that you help them to feel part of decision-making. They don't determine everything, but they need to be a part of your mission outreach and your your concepts of how you function as a missionary. And of course, whether or not you're a missionary, it's so important to pay good attention to your children, nurture them spiritually, help them to love the Lord, and help them to, to have a mission focus, even if they're not growing up in a different environment, but in, a, in your home environment. Everything needs to focus on mission for all of us. But they became so uh, connected with uh, living outside of the country. Uh, we came back to the United States after Africa. We, we settled in, in this home, and, and this home has become a kind of a, an anchor point for them in a way. Uh, also, another uh, spot down in North Carolina where my in-laws lived and my mother-in-law lived for many years. That became a, a very important uh, focal point. Uh, and I think that's also an important thing for parents to remember. You need to have some anchors somewhere. You need to have children's uh, perspective uh, anchored to something that will help them to feel like they do have some kind of roots, that they're not just completely floating in a different place. But we we came back from Africa. The girls got into school. It was a bit challenging, a bit rough. They, you know, they, they were not... Uh, as familiar with a lot of things people were saying and doing here in the United States. And then um, about two years later, we were asked, and we certainly were not looking for this. This was just not something in our plans. We had returned to the United States, you know, to the girls were to be in school and all of that. And we got a call to go to the Euro-Asia division. And um, so that was a very hard decision. And I remember uh, Nancy repeating to me, my wife, because she was very conflicted as well about this whole thing. And, and I was not looking for uh, doing that as well. But the Lord seemed to be impressing us to go to the Eurasia division, to live in Moscow. And one night, Nancy went to uh, the bedside of Emily, our oldest daughter, who by that time would have been, oh, you know, maybe 14, 15 years old. And it would have been hard on her. And she did go to, to Russia with us for one year and then returned and continued in boarding academy. But uh, before we left, Nancy went and she talked with Emily and she, she wanted to get some kind of response from Emily as to whether or not we should go to Euro-Asia division. And uh, she, Nancy was secretly hoping that Emily would say, oh, no, no, we shouldn't go. No, this is not. And Emily is a very thoughtful person. She's very bright. She's very reflective. And she gave a response that took my wife off guard. She said something to the effect that with all the needs of the people in that part of the world, it seems to be a small inconvenience for us to say yes and go. It something to that effect. And it just it just blew my wife's <laughs> anticipation that Emily would say, no, 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 we shouldn't go. And what else could you do? 
So we went. We went to a setting where, you know, a small apartment on the 10th floor. Uh, it was clean. It was good. Uh, things had been prepared for us. It, but you could vacuum the entire apartment without moving, you know, the plug uh, from the wall. It was a small place. Uh, all three girls were in one bedroom and Nancy and I were in another bedroom. Uh, we had, uh, you know, some bunk beds. So the girls were in there together. We would go to sleep at night because, you know, girls getting to a certain age, they kind of want their own place and they, they fuss a little bit and all that. We would go to sleep at night in Moscow. Nancy and I would listening to the girls just talking and talking and laughing and having such a great time. I'll tell you, even though it was a very hard time in Russia at that time, hard to find food, hard to travel, hard to make a telephone call, hard to do almost anything. I'll tell you, we would not trade those years in the Euro-Asia division for anything. It was a bonding experience. It was a marvelous thing. And the girls, uh, their faith in Jesus, their faith in the Lord grew so much during that time because we had all kinds of challenges and uh, the mafia threats and all kinds of things. It was a real challenge in, the, in that setting. But they grew so much and they would not trade their mission experiences for anything. Well, I've gone on a long time talking about them, but they, I'll tell you one more experience. We came back from, uh, let's see, it was, I'm trying to think here. Uh, we came back from Africa and somehow the girls uh, had not been out of the country for about a year and a half. And they were so anxious to be in another country of the world because this was so boring just to to be in one country all the time. And I, I can't re quite remember the date, but it was somewhere in that area of time. We went, I was invited to speak to the camp meeting in Quebec in Canada. And so we drove up to the camp meeting. And as we crossed the border into Canada from the United States, the, the van in which we were in, it erupted. The girls were clapping and were so happy. We're finally in another country. And it was just one of those things which just told us that, uh, yeah, the Lord, the Lord plants a seed in your heart to be a missionary. And as I've mentioned already, once a missionary, always a missionary. Wow. Wow. I can say, wow. And, um, uh and you gave some wonderful tips and clues there. Sometimes all that we need to do is to listen to our children. We sometimes want to address and resolve their problems, but by listening to them, sometimes they will even encourage us and give a perspective that we need to have. Sometimes God speaks through them like your daughter said, focus on the needs of others, not on our needs, because our inconvenience, I like that word, is very small. Oh, what a loaded message to us. And uh, what about, Pastor Wilson, single missionaries? Families struggle, but sometimes single missionaries also struggle. They are lonely, especially now during this time. What message would you say for single missionaries serving in difficult places or isolated places or disconnected with their families right now? Praise God for anyone willing to be part of God's mission outreach to the world. And I have to tell you, um, 
I believe with all my heart that uh, Jesus is coming very soon and that the world events around us are pointing towards the climax of Earth's history. Um, we're making this uh, recording during the COVID-19 pandemic setting. Uh, this is not the end of the world, but it certainly is a precursor. It is preparing us for what is going to come. And it, <clears throat> excuse me, simply helps us to lean on the Lord more. And I just want to thank all those who are involved in direct mission outreach, uh, whether you are families or whether you are a single person, it is absolutely essential that all of us lean on the Lord. And for those who are single missionaries, uh, the Lord will be your strength. The Lord will be your support. The Lord will be your encouragement. Uh, it can be lonely at times because you simply don't have a family immediately there to share all the kinds of difficulties that you face. Uh, yes, I'm sure you would have a good support group either back in your own home country or even where you're serving, but you don't have quite the same as a married couple. But I want to tell you, the Lord will make up the difference in terms of the support that you need. Don't get discouraged. Don't feel overly lonely. Uh, remember, angels are right there by your side. The Holy Spirit is there to attend to you. God is never far from you, and he will support you with his everlasting arms. So I want to thank single people, families, young people, people who are involved, and older people, of course, people who are involved in the mission. And once you are committed to the Lord and his mission, the Bible tells us he will be with us to the end of time. He will never forsake us. He will provide. Thank you. And uh, talking, you mentioned that, yes, we are recording this during the uncertainty of uh, COVID-19 and um, do you remember, this is a challenge, do you remember any challenge uh, in your missionary life, uh, something close to this magnitude where, where you serve, um, Pastor Wilson? Was there a crisis such as this one? I have to tell you, uh, Dr. Kuhn, that I have never yeah. experienced anything quite like this. Just uh, wrong. <laughs> I think I think most people, you know, except for those who maybe went through terrible war-torn conditions during World War II and perhaps some other uh, more localized regional wars, they probably have never experienced anything quite like this. And in fact, um, this was so overwhelming because it was so interconnected with communication um, technical abilities today that the whole world basically shut down and no travel essentially uh, to begin with, uh, social distancing, all kinds of unusual uh, repercussions from this, economic repercussions. The, the challenge of, of, of people losing employment and all kinds of things. Uh, it, it, really, it really was a, an amazing uh, convergence of many things that have produced this pandemic. Now, 
have I experienced strange things in my life? Of course. I mean, when I was six years old, I, my mother, my sister, and I were shipped out of Egypt during the Suez Canal crisis. Uh, the American Sixth Fleet came and picked us up along with all the other missionaries. My father stayed in Egypt. He didn't want, uh, didn't want uh, our church members to think that everybody had abandoned them. So he stayed in Egypt during that period of time. And um, he was quite a good friend of the governor of Cairo. That's another thing as a, as a missionary. You need to make friends with people. You need to show yourself open to uh, association with government people, with civic leaders. Of course, you can do that anywhere. But especially when you are in, uh, in a mission situation, you should not just isolate yourself. You, you should become friends with some of these people and help them to know how Seventh-day Adventists are helping people in a humanitarian and educational way. And we follow the, the footsteps of Christ in helping people physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. And many leaders in countries will respond, the local leaders as well as government leaders, high, high government people. And my father made very good friends with the governor of Cairo. And the governor of Cairo wanted to take care of my father because he was not leaving that region as most uh, expatriates were. So he had two, the governor had two machine gun nests installed at the, at the Nile Union uh, mission property which is in Heliopolis in, in Cairo. And uh, it's still there, That not, not the machine gun nest, but <laughs> the office is still there. It's now the Egypt-Sudan field office. And it's, it's, the building is where I grew up as a little boy, part of my time, and <clears throat> remember these memories of Egypt with such fondness. Uh, but my father stayed there in, in Egypt, uh, but uh, we were shipped out. We went to Italy. Then we flew to Beirut, and I spent about five months there and and uh, had first grade at the Beirut Overseas School. It used to be the division office of the Middle East Division, and uh, at that time it was a division. And uh, so those are interesting memories. And, you know, I can remember we were in the the ship, the naval ship, of the sixth fleet of the United States Navy. And they came to pick us up and they uh, found places for us in the ship. Of course, they weren't used to having children in these warships. And so they had these bunk beds about six levels high and the sailors took rope and they put rope around all of the um, these bunk beds so that the children wouldn't fall out of the bunk beds, you see. And they decided they would entertain all these uh, little children and everything. So we got into one of the large areas underneath the deck of the ship, and they had a big sheet up, a uh, bed sheet, you know, and they were going to show us a movie. So they showed a movie, and here we were sitting, and of course, if you have a sheet, you can sit on both sides. Uh, one side would be backwards, but to children, that doesn't make any difference, I guess. So we had all these children down there and all these missionaries, and they showed us this movie. What was the movie? It was a World War II movie. <laughs> and so we were watching bombing on the screen, and we were hearing bombing outside because the planes were bombing Port Said, where we left. And my parents, my mother, 
and others, I think they just said, no, no, this is too much. Let's just leave. <laughs> so, you know, you have, you have experiences like that. We were in uh, Abidjan. There was an attempted coup there, uh, different challenges that you face uh, in Russia. Uh, there was an attempted coup there. Interestingly, I was in, in at annual council. This was in 1993. Uh, annual council was held in Bangalore, India that year. So I was down in Bangalore and Nancy and the girls were up in Moscow and there was an attempted coup and, you know, tanks rolling through the streets and all this kind of thing. And so I was staying in touch with Nancy every day by telephone and, you know, they just stayed in their apartment pretty much and the Lord protected. And after about six days, things settled down and they were okay. So yes, we've gone through a lot of strange things, but I've never seen anything quite like this particular COVID situation where it interrupts the interaction of people and missionaries especially that is their forte that is what they do they interact with people on behalf of jesus christ they share they involve themselves they organize things involvement and relationships are so important so this particular uh pandemic has distanced everyone but I have to tell you, I am so proud of the Seventh-day Adventist Church worldwide. We uh, showed various things at our recent annual council uh, of what our, our people are doing all over the world in all the divisions. Basically, people are just reaching out in many different ways. But this particular situation, I have to say, is probably a good preparatory setting for what we know will come in the future. We know the prophecies of, of Daniel and Revelation. We know uh, the, the prophecies of Matthew chapter 24. We know uh, the amazing information that we have received, inspired information in the book, The Great Controversy. We know what we're going to have to face. But you know what? This is just to tell us this particular situation. Don't worry, I'm in charge, that's what God says. I'm gonna see you through. I'm gonna, going to make sure that you have what you need and you will be my witness wherever you are, regardless of whether it's a pandemic or a war situation or a natural disaster or tensions between uh, people groups, whatever it is. The Lord will be our guide and he will be our, our strength. And I'm just, I'm just happy that I see God fulfilling his promise in so many ways. And to those who are listening, be safe, be careful, uh, follow health protocols, public health protocols, all of that. But never forget, you're there for a purpose. And that is to represent Christ and to tell people that Jesus is coming very soon and he's made a way of escape for us. Praise God, regardless of all of these troubles we face, praise God for the opportunity of witnessing for him. Thank you. I, I hear you saying that God can turn challenges into opportunities and um, he has done it in the past and he will continue to do it in the future. 
Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Wilson, for opening your heart and for talking to us today. This has been an inspiration for for me and for I'm sure will be for all the listen the people who will listen uh, this message. Do you have any final uh, final thought that you want to share with the families or the the, the the ones who are in the front lines, the one who ones who are out there trying to trying to make sense of uncertain times. Well, let me just share with you one of my favorite verses from the Bible, and I want to encourage all of you to stay grounded in the Word of God. It is the one constant in a life of chaos and change. The Bible is our foundation. It is uh, the wonderful Word of God that points us to the living Word, Jesus Christ. And in, in Joel chapter 2, of course, that's a very famous chapter and tells us about the latter rain and about what the Lord will do in the end of time and connects also with Acts chapter 2. But there's a verse that's just been one of my favorites for for a long time now. It's verse 21. And I think you can claim this, uh, those of you who are serving in, uh, you know, in unusual circumstances, a different part of the world from where you're from, uh, whatever, you can claim this promise. It says, fear not, O land, and you can put your name right in there. Uh, fear not, Ron Kuhn, uh, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. And that's from the New King James Version. In the King James Version, it says, the Lord will do great things. So he has done great things. He, he is doing great things. He will do great things. And you can claim that promise as your own. Put your name right into that. I, I just want to remind our precious uh, listeners and those who are missionaries in whatever capacity, that the Lord has called us to be proclaimers of his love, of his power, and of his salvation. And that the three angels' messages are so important. In fact, the three angels' messages, of course, found in Revelation 14, 6 to 12, uh, explain about the everlasting gospel, which is what missionaries are to do share this with every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, and giving God glory and, and recognizing him as our creator and redeemer, and that we are to help people understand that confusion reigns out there, that Babylon is, is causing such confusion, and that we are to come out of Babylon, uh, which of course is the fourth angel's message in Revelation 18, verses 1 to, to 4, a marvelous uh, companion message to the three angels' messages, and that we are not to connect ourselves with any entity that is going to create the mark of the beast, which is false worship, but that we are to be connected to the Lord and receive the seal of God, which is the keeping through the power of God himself, of the seventh day sabbath which is the seal of god it is our acknowledgement to the world that we are the we are followers of the creator the redeemer and these three angels messages and the fourth angel uh so important as we proclaim in these very end time days this message the advent message um i would remind you 
of your, your identity, my identity. I'll read one quotation from Testimonies for the Church, volume 9, page 19. It says, in a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. Now, I'm not reading now. I, I, this is what a missionary is, to be a light bearer and to be a watchman, a person who is is helping people uh, in, the, in the name of Christ and through his power. Uh, I'm reading on now. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them, Seventh-day Adventists, is shining wonderful light from the word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import or importance. The proclamation, this is it, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angels' messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. Now, of course, you have to live. You have to relate to people. You can't just hit people over the head with the three angels' messages immediately. You have to serve people as Jesus did, as we said, physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually in every way, helping them with comprehensive health ministry and helping people to find the Lord at the foot of the cross through, through careful ministry to them. But ultimately, they need to know that they need to look to the Lord himself and his righteousness. And we're told that the righteousness of Christ is the very core of the three angels' messages, turning people back to the true worship of God. And I just want to read, uh, in closing, uh, just maybe two, two quotations out of Christian service that will help those who are listening to remember that the Lord will be with you. He will not fail you. In, in Christian service, which is a nice compilation uh, by the White Estate of many powerful messages from the spirit of prophecy, page 158, it says, the work which the church has failed to do in a time of peace and prosperity, she will have to do in a terrible crisis under most discouraging, forbidding circumstances. Well, some people might say, well, here we are, we're in COVID now, and yeah, we're having a real tough time. Well, don't get scared, but it's actually going to get worse in the future. Uh, we just need to lean on the Lord and not be afraid at all. Now listen to this on page 136 in Christian service. There are stormy times before us, but let us not utter one word of unbelief or discouragement. Let us remember that we bear a message of healing to a world filled with sin-sick souls. So, my dear fellow missionaries, I want to encourage you to place your life completely in the hands of God, as you have done countless times, but to remember that God has given you an unusual opportunity to be a witness for him in these unusual times with a unusual message, and that he has given to us the ministry of hope and healing to a sin-sick world. And let's not be discouraged. Let's not be uh, filled with anxiety. Let's remember that as Scripture tells us in that marvelous commission that Jesus gave to each of us, he says there in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's what you're doing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And the Lord has just given us so many wonderful truths to share with people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives you this wonderful assurance. And lo, I am with you always, even during a pandemic and war and natural disasters or whatever it is, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And it ends by saying, Amen. And I want to say Amen to that as well. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Wilson, for sharing uh, this wonderful thoughts with us and encouragement. Would you pray for our colleagues and for our nation and for our church? Our Father in heaven, we place in your hands your faithful servants, wherever they are, stretched across this entire globe. We ask that you will encourage each one, those who are families, those who are single, those who are young people out on the front lines, those who may be older ones, professionals, uh, others who are involved in various aspects of mission outreach. We pray that everyone will feel a sense of urgency to proclaim your last day message in every way, every appropriate way possible, given the context of where they are, given the opportunities that you provide. Help us not to be afraid to lift up Jesus and all of his beauty and righteousness and to share with people the way of escape that the Lord has provided for us. Help us to share with people the marvelous experience of following the Lord in helping to know how we can live healthfully, not only physically, but spiritually. Lord, help us as we share with others the powerful three angels' messages and the fourth angel of Revelation 18, helping people to come out of chaos and confusion. So many people today are longing for hope and stability in their lives. Lord, help us to be great standards and sentinels for you, people who are lifting up Bible truth and relying on the wonderful counsel from the spirit of prophecy. Lord, help each missionary, each person involved in outreach to be so committed to you through prayer that the Holy Spirit will touch their lives, will revive them and reform them and bring them into a setting of total member involvement, helping our church members to know how to serve you in all things. And finally, Lord, as we come to the end of time, help us, like Isaiah, to say, here I am, send me. Lord, I will go. Thank you for the opportunity of being part of the strategic plans for the future as we look towards reaching the world through the power of the Holy Spirit and saying, I will go. And thank you to all of those who have taken that challenge and they have gone as missionaries for you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us now. We long for your soon coming. We place ourselves in your care and all those who are involved in telling others about Jesus soon coming. We ask all of this in the name of our creator 
our Redeemer, our Master Teacher, our Master Physician, our coming King, our High Priest, and our best friend, Jesus Christ. Amen. Special thanks to Elders Ted Wilson and Ronald Kuhn for being such an encouragement for all of us today. To conclude, I would like to invite you to share this episode widely with anyone for whom Adventist mission is not an empty sound. Friends, let us together make mission thinking and missionary lifestyle a true movement in our beloved church. It's truly possible for the Holy Spirit to accomplish in our lives as Christ's servants and in the history of God's last day people. My name is Alex Ott and I am looking forward to seeing you next week here on the IWM Podcast. Mm-hmm.